Defenders podcast, the number one fan podcast about the Marvel Netflix series. I'm Claire. I'm Matt. I'm Mel. <gasps> you did it the wrong way round. Yeah. It, it, it rebels. Uh, but it doesn't matter because we don't actually have a Robin this week. Um, Mr. Robin um, Burgefist has taken a week off for Mother's Day because Robin is a mother. So we'll let him have the week off. So instead, we have a Michaela. Yay! Hello. Welcome. I will try to provide puns. If <laughs> no, it's, it's really to. not necessary. Not, not a requirement for this job. <laughs> and we have another special guest, which is Chris. Yay! Hello. Hello, everyone. This is an American free zone this week. Yay! Yay. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so true. I could do a, a Spike Thompson-style fake American accent throughout the whole thing. No, no. Do it. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what that's from, you need to watch Press Gang and marvel at the worst American accent ever. It's not the worst, but it, it's way up there. It, it's as bad it, as Keanu Reeves' English accent in Dracula. That's how bad it is. If I, if I, if I start doing generic American accents, hey. you, you will find the Spike one far, far better. Trust I'm me. I'm from America. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just started listening to the Dresden Files and their red by Spike and his. Yeehaw, I don't, I, yeehaw, I've been watching all the American cop TV shows to get you. Yeah. So I did that deliberately bad. Anyway, <laughs> I sounded like Joe Pesci. Yeah. Do I amuse you? Funny how? Funny how? <laughs> so I've got a bit of news, guys, for this week. It's very exciting. So after we discussed last week that um, Netflix are potentially looking at making a Punisher series. Tom Hardy this week has said that he wants to play the Punisher. When I heard that, I flung my windows open and I sang at the sky with joy like a Disney princess because that would be amazing. Uh, he can't play the Punisher. Punisher doesn't have a mask. Doesn't Tom Hardy only play people with masks? Yeah, Tom Hardy actually just has a skull for a face and he wears a, a face like a mask of a face over the top. No. <laughs> That's one of Punisher's like uh, defining characteristics is he hates masks. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hardy will be like, "Can I wear a mask over the top of my face? That's my face as the Punisher, please." And I'll be like, "No, Tom Hardy, no, no." <laughs> no Maybe he's just trying to branch out now. Aww. That must have been what he did in Locke because, like, that was his face. It must have been a highly realistic mask of his own face. Yes, he, he got the uh, he got the um, the two um, um, gay uncles from Mrs. Doubtfire to make it for him. Right, Harvey Firestein made him a mask. Yeah. <laughs> um, take care of, take good care of him. <laughs> that still sounded like Joe Pesci. I know, I know. <laughs> but I have to say, because Tom Hardy was previously rumoured to be Doctor Strange, he would be such a better Punisher than Doctor Strange. Because, you know, Doctor Strange should not be Bane. But Punisher could be Bane. <laughs> He would be another British guy playing American comic book well, character. There's also potentially a British guy playing Spider-Man now because us Brits rule and they're going to play all the superheroes because we are, in fact, super. So that's just how it is, guys. Deal with it. All right. Yeah. Uh, and also, other news. You can now listen to the entire soundtrack of Daredevil on YouTube. However, it's only available on North American iTunes still for some weird reason. I don't know why. Um... Uh, Netflix released the official synopsis of AKA Jessica Jones, which is pretty cool, and it sounds very close to the graphic novels, so that's exciting. And the last bit of news was yesterday we had an awesome interview, uh, Robin and myself, with John, uh, John Patrick Hayden, who plays Jack Murdoch, and it was awesome. He was very sweet. He was a great uh, interview. We had a few issues because Skype was having a tantrum, 
Um, but it was a really good interview. So big thanks to him for that. And hopefully uh, that will be up around the same time as this episode. Who knows? Um, yeah. Congratulations on landing that. That's, that's awesome. It was great. And uh, I, I've apparently also been told that I'm, uh, I'm going to his boxing gym with him when I'm in New York to train. So that will be great. <laughs> Getting trained by Jack Murdoch. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Living the dream. Mm. Um, so this week we are covering episode five, World on Fire. I say as a fire engine drives <laughs> past my house. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, this was written by Luke, uh, Luke Calto and directed by Farron Blackburn. So let's get into it. So, and there's a lot Actually, of themes in this one. Oh, God. Far- Farron Blackburn is a familiar name, and I think possibly from some recent Doctor Who. I wasn't paying any attention I, to it. Yeah, I think he did recent Doctor Who. It's ringing a bell with me as well. Uh, but I don't really like recent Doctor Who, so I don't remember. I, mean, I think Farron may have done one of the better ones. Sorry about this. Just uh, right fine. in there. You would know better than me as you do a Doctor Who podcast. And Michaela should know because in her Skype picture, she's standing in front of the TARDIS. Actually, um, <laughs> Farron Blackburn directed like the worst Moffat Christmas special and an episode everyone hates except me, The Rings of Akhenaten. Yeah, so, that was, uh, yeah I didn't like that episode. Uh, no, no one does except me. <laughs> what Christmas special was it? Doctor, The Widow and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> the one where it no, proves you can, you can follow a woman from home from work endlessly days and days at a time until she agrees to marry you. That's what uh, Matt did to um, Court Mel. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember now. <laughs> that's because he bonked you on the head with his his club and dragged you back to his cave. Yes, that's right. what he always tells me. That that's the one part I do. Uh, <laughs> do <about. laughs> yeah. You've seen the movie Overboard, right? Oh yeah, I love that. You know who you are, don't you, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> so the first scene in this episode, we have um, Claire Temple is in the bathroom inspecting her face and her bruises, while Matt making her breakfast in the kitchen and we get the he's kind of patching up her cuts on her back um they talk about his senses a bit and then he is basically matt murdoch and says hey hot lady why don't you come and stay with me uh and here's a kiss yeah uh before uh, for that when it opens up with her uh mm-hmm. in the uh in the bathroom there she has our floss and our razor <gasps> really? no, i mean he does yeah. i guess it's his place <laughs> Razor and we have that floss. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like is this our bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> they broke into your house and filmed this one scene without you. <laughs> That's cool. So you were like, oh, I, I love that when you watch shows though, and you're like, oh, I have that duvet cover. <laughs> like, <something. laughs> yeah. What did you think about the description of like Matt's senses in this scene? Because obviously, like some of you guys I know are more familiar with the comics and. And things like that. I don't know how familiar you are with the character, uh, Michaela. Not at all. I'm sure. Claire. I'm like everybody. I'm Claire familiar. It's <laughs> a term now. We're Claire familiar with their couple. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was like the tasting the blood in the air thing. I thought, you mm. know, especially if you fight a lot, that could be kind of gross. Mm. Yeah. Because so, mm. it seems like the opera is like... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm by no means a daredevil expert, right? I'm, I'm, I know the athletic... And because I wasn't, I didn't have any sort of care about Daredevil before that, I find the Affleck film perfectly fine and fun and watchable, yeah. by the way, because I'm not going, oh, they've, they've completely ruined it all. So I was, you know, not quite expecting how dark this is. Um, although I was never entirely sure about how they did his vision in that, because it was basically just vision, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, done in a different way. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit. And that, they haven't quite yet for me defined 
like what he can't do. In the previous episode, he went into um, Claire's apartment and like picked her mobile phone up off the floor. Mm. And like, how? But it wasn't ringing because he picks up one in this episode, but it's yeah. ringing at the time. Yeah, I, I noticed right. that. So I was like, hang on. He didn't stand. Giving off an electrical actually. impulse, maybe he can feel. Maybe and we have as well in this episode that later on when he takes uh, Blake's phone, he has to get Claire to read it for him because obviously yeah. he can't read the texts. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like when he can actually. He has a picture. Like he has a picture. Mm-hmm. He can kind of see. I don't like that. When she expected him to say, "What do you actually see?" I expected him to say nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I like the. I'll give you guys a little bit of a spoiler now. Okay. And I don't mind giving it to you. The 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 effect. The world on fire effect. That is the only time we see that in the entire series. Yeah. Hmm. No, I, I, Which is quite surprising. That. Yeah. That's, they, that's even worse then. <laughs> it's it's. It, yeah, I think they could have done without it because apparently they did plan to have it pop up in several other times throughout the series and they've actually said in interviews when they planned it but they didn't, which I think helps because I do think it takes you out of the moment a bit. I like the fact that the title kind of works two ways for this episode because it's World on Fire because of the explosions later and it's World on Fire because that's what he sees mm-hmm. and it kind of links in with something else later in the series as well. But I don't think you needed to see it. I think he could have just said it because I think up to that point where he's saying about how he he quote unquote sees the world, you know, and it's a mix of balance, direction, air density, vibrations, temperature variations, smells, and hearing creates this picture in his head. I don't think you need to see it because I don't think it will ever it will ever satisfy everyone, you know, as to what they imagine. I think it's better to imagine what he sees the world like than to actually mm. see it. I agree. But yeah, him. I mean, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead on this one, Claire. That like him handing off the phone so she could read a text off of it is sort of so far really the only indication this show has given that the guy can't see. <laughs> well, he, he had the bit where he was in her apartment as well, and he goes to leave because he's disoriented and he heads into the kitchen, and okay. that's when she says to him, "If you want to leave, the the doors in the other direction." And when he picks a knife out of her drawer, he has to feel it to know it's a knife because obviously uh. he's disoriented and everything so there is little bits like that but it's um yeah there's not a a a ton of stuff at the moment i think when i've been discussing this with other fans we've said that this is kind of um they base his senses on this show much more on the brian michael bendis um run of the comic rather than the current mark wade run which i think deals with his senses better and that his senses he's a bit too super powered his senses are a bit too mm. strong you know, I'd, I'd prefer that he can just hear people in the same building as him rather than he can hear people all over the city, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is also uh, where we get them having a kiss. Mm-hmm. You guys predicted that, that uh, there would be something between them, so you all get a, a, a jelly baby as a reward. Yay, mail it, mail it on over. The chemistry's pretty hot between them, yeah. right? Like, yeah, they, yeah. They've got some pretty hot chemistry, the two of them. They've done a load of interviews together as well, and they seem to have, like, really good chemistry. You know, like, they seem to get on really well. When that, happens, though, when that mm-hmm. happens, I was like, this relationship won't end well. It's way too early in the season for them to get together. Yeah. <laughs> are you saying that Daredevil's relationships with women always end badly? What are you talking about? Oh, I'm just saying, <laughs> by uh, TV logic, it's way too early in the season for them to get together and stay together. <laughs> well, especially considering Foggy's always going on about what a man whore is, but we haven't really seen that. No, we kind of have, because uh, well, skipping ahead again when he complimented <laughs> Karen on her voice, I was like, oh, you man whore. Yeah, that, <laughs> like he's been, that was like, awkward. 
but sexual and very intimate. He's like, he's like already like going after Claire, and then he's like, oh, you have a beautiful voice, Karen. This is the third. We're five episodes in. This is the third woman that he's flirted with because he also flirted with the um, estate agent as well in the first episode. I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. So in the next scene, uh, we have Wesley visiting Vladimir, um, asking where Anatoly is. Hmm. And sorry, Matt. Matt said that uh, when uh, Claire asked him what a hairline fracture sounded, Matt oh, said, yeah. it sounds like Reese Krispies, I would think. Well, didn't they kind of let us hear what he was hearing? And it, yeah. It, it was like... A <laughs> 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 you know, I don't know. It sounded like Rice Krispies. Maybe they were going to say Rice Krispies, but then they were told that they couldn't use, like, brand names. So they were like, uh, oh, chips. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I, don't great. Know the, I don't know the idea of Rosario Dawson just creaking to any degree. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't sing all that creaky. No. Rice Krispies when she walks. <laughs> My knees definitely sound like Rice Krispies when I walk. <laughs> I'm completely messed up. Um, so they obviously say that they found Anatoly's body and bring it in. Did anyone find this quite moving about how no. Vladimir is about his brother's death in this episode? I like I like that the tear runs down his scar trench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it runs down his eye and then gets sucked up into the trench on, on his face <laughs> and follows that line. Yeah. Uh, so I was- I was too distracted by technical issues because uh, one of the one of the things I have set going up so I can watch various Netflixes from around the world uh, takes out any kind of um, subtitling that you might request, and so for the, a couple of times. It didn't have subtitles, and it didn't occur to me that perhaps there might need to be some until, like, um, the guy clearly says a dramatic thing before it goes to the opening titles. I went, there was going to be subtitles there, wasn't there? So I had to fight, <laughs> I had to fight the future for about 20 minutes to get the, my subtitles back. Mm. So wait, there you wait, go. Do you not have Daredevil in the UK? You do. No, we so, oh, yeah, yeah. But well, I, I switched to the UK version so I could watch it, but it still knocked out all of the captioning. So I had to go and get the captioning back on and then get my iPad to recognize the fact that I've done that. Uh. See, now, if you had a guy like Wesley, he could just translate that for you. Exactly. <laughs> I've got to figure out about that later. We all need a Wesley in our lives. Mm-hmm. I would like a Wesley in my life. He, he recommends wine. He, you know, he looks <laughs> after you. Aww. 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 friend. We also need television, like, non-English speaking people who can understand what you're saying, but don't speak English back to you. <laughs> Perfect. I know. <laughs> oh, I, ha- I have trivia. <laughs> I can actually speak French that way, because I took French immersion as a child. Yeah. And I can form the sentences and know what I'm saying. But if you speak back to me, it's way too fast. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Mel, Mel, test her. No, I'm not going to test her. No, don't test me, Mel. I promise I will not understand what you're uh, Bonjour, je m'appelle Christophe. Comment ça va? Daffle too? No, never mind. Au revoir, Française. I actually understood that. I can understand French, I just can't speak it. Yeah, I have the opposite problem. We should have a conversation. We should be a, a, a like, merge, like, station and become one human. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. Claire, Claire Kayla. Yeah. I like it. And then you guys can have a conversation with me and Chris. Yay. <laughs> we'll exclude that. Oh. <laughs> so, in the next scene... Oh, um, I may have given the impression I speak French now. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> 
in, in the next scene, um, they're cleaning brains off of the limo at Venice taxis. And I like that it's not just blood. You can see little bits of brain as well. For some reason, I found that very amusing. And Madame Gao thinks this is hilarious. <laughs> She's kind of creepy. I love She's her. She's a sick human being. Now, this is the woman terrible. who's had eyeballs pulled out of a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's really creepy to me. Uh, She's laughing and Nobu is just glaring at everyone. Um, and there was an interview with Peter Shinkoda, who plays uh, Nobu, recently, in which he said that all the lines that Madame Gao and Nobu say in Japanese or Mandarin, that Wesley then translates, um, if so, like, it's not translated in the subtitles, but if anyone can translate them, they say some really funny stuff that they can get away with because it's not translated. So basically, you know, when Wesley sort of says, oh, he isn't happy either, Nobu's basically just, like, ranting and saying all this horrible stuff. It's kind of like Firefly, where they could, you know, obviously um, swear in Mandarin and everything because they didn't translate it. When the first line that Madame Gao had, she sounded like she was mocking Wilson, and then uh, I can't remember what Wesley said she said, but it wasn't that. It's like, or was it she's happy to see you or something? Uh, something like, um, something about she's not happy... Oh, she's happy to see you, yeah, or something like yeah. that, yeah. But it didn't, it sounded like she was, like, laughing, like, mocking I think that she's, stuff. it was probably like she was saying, because obviously they've been unhappy that they haven't seen him in person yet. This is, oh. like, one of the first times they've actually seen him in person, because in the, the first episode, you know, he didn't show up to the meeting. So mm-hmm. she might have said it in that way, but kind of mocking him, like, oh, I'm glad you finally decided to show up. Okay. Think. It just made me wonder, would Wesley lie if they... If they said something that would displease the kingdom, would he would he lie about it? <laughs> but no. I, don't think, I don't think well, he would. Well, Fisk obviously doesn't understand what they're saying. Yeah, that's what I mean. Or does he? Oh. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, he doesn't. So, who do you guys think that Nobu speaks for? Because he mentions oh. he speaks for some people. Uh, uh, who's the big Japanese uh, bad guy in Marvel? I don't know. Shredder. <laughs> Silver Samurai. <laughs> Silver Samurai like is owned by Fox, though, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah, X-Men. Is there a The Hand? Not there really. is The Hand, which is the, the, the daredevil equivalent of the foot from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know who the boss of The Hand is, though. Mm. The wrist. The thumb. The thumb is the boss of The Hand. <laughs> there is a subset a of, um, of The Hand in the comics called The Nail, which is quite cool, and it's like all female, and they're like badasses, and they're called The Nail. Now I'm really hoping that there's like uh, evil villains that are called after like all the human body parts. Like, like the nose. Elbows. Like the liver. <laughs> the sphincter. The sigmoid The cornea. Yeah. The, the duodenum. Or duodenum, <laughs> if you want to pronounce it that way. <laughs> Look out for Gluteus Maximus. <laughs> He's a character from uh, Spartacus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess this, is, this is all very humorous. That's getting into Robin territory it, now. It is, oh, I, I know, I'm sorry. Ooh. Yellow card, yellow card. <laughs> Robin, if you're listening, I miss you. I was happy to talk to you on this one. Sorry, I mean, we've got Michaela, and that's great. But, uh, he was trying to conjure Robin. Yeah. 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 I'm hoping that if I, if I pun five times, he'll appear. <laughs> Anatoly should have quit while he was ahead. No. Woo! Ah. <laughs> it's with a mirror, and he's like looking in the mirror, and he's saying puns. <laughs> and like then that. Robin appears. Take <laughs> three puns, and Robin appears. <laughs> That's, that's even more terrifying than the Candyman, I swear. 
Um, in the next scene, we've got one of Madame Gao's sort of blind workers is in a cab singing in Mandarin, which is quite creepy. This like, scene was really, really cool, the way it was yeah. shot. I love that. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, yeah, that yeah the cool. cinematography was really wild. The hallway fight in episode two seems to be getting most of the kind of praise for the one-shot fight scene, but mm. this is a one-shot as well, and it's so mm. good. The way that the camera pans around and you just see Matt standing there. This is the so thing, cool. I, I'd heard so much about that hallway fight that when I finally saw it, I was a bit disappointed <laughs> because it had talked up so much. But this thing, and I, you know, when you're about a third of the way into it, you go, this is going to go some places. Yeah. You know, and it did not disappoint. I, oh, I just love a, a slow one-shot. Yeah, yeah. And Matt manages to get that guy killed because the guy, like, is aiming to shoot him and Matt kind of ducks and they shoot the guy. The poor little singing guy in the head. Yeah. I liked his singing. I know, I did as well. I was, like, sad when the guy was like, shut up. I was like, oh, it's nice. <laughs> just shut up. Yeah, aww. There is a lot of brain bits in this episode, though. <laughs> As there should be. When they were cleaning the car, and in this scene, it's just brain bits everywhere. Brain, that was the, brains everywhere. That was the sponsor. <laughs> Sponsored by brain bits. <laughs> by Mr. Brain. He's coming next. He's the next. Yeah, he's the yeah. big villain. <laughs> Um, next scene, we're in uh, Nelson and Murdoch. The printer isn't working. Foggy jokes about the machines taking over. Some fans think this is a reference to Age of Ultron. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't uh... know. Mm. And then Mrs. Cardenas arrives and asks for Senior Foggy Law. Senior Foggy Law. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Mel no, hates Foggy. I don't like Foggy. It's so annoying. And I don't know how Karen can keep affording all these cute dresses. Where is she shopping? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. have any money. Five finger discount. Yeah. Oh. I was saying to my husband a lot of people don't like Foggy, and he said Foggy is Chandler. That's what he yeah. said. Oh, yeah. I can see that. But I, I, I love Foggy. No. I don't. I don't. He doesn't. It doesn't aggravate me the way he does other people. I don't know. Mm. Ren, or Mike, Michael David, I'm looking at you. Yeah, we're all looking <laughs> at you, Michael David. You know what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> he scared Joss Whedon off Twitter. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Single-handedly. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in the next scene, obviously, they interview Mrs. Cardenas, and Karen reveals that she knows a lot of Spanish, by the sounds, which is interesting. And Foggy reveals that he speaks Punjabi. Did you say she knows the law of Spanish? No, she knows a lot of Spanish. Like, first of all, she's like, like, oh, only what I remember from college, and then she proceeds to kind of be fluent, and it's like, hmm. She knows the law of Spanish. (laughs) You have to roll your R's. It's the law. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and Matt likes listening to Karen's voice. Come on, come on. Is he just, like, doing that because it's expected of him to hit on people? It's really annoying. (laughs) Well, next episode is when him and Mrs. Cardenas hook up. And <laughs> <laughs> that will be more unexpected, and I will like. <laughs> oh, Senior Matt, Senior Matt, Senior Matt, Senior Foggy. Aww. It's going to turn into a Spanish uh, soap opera for just one episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the original uh, Ugly Betty, whatever that was called. I can't remember. <laughs> the, you know, the actual Mexican one. Uh, so, in the next scene, Matt visits uh, Sergeant Brett Mahoney at the precinct. Sorry, uh, uh, you know that there was a sign at the front desk where it said, Arresting Officer Stands Here? I thought, <laughs> it, said, I thought it said, Interesting Officer Stands Here. <laughs> <laughs> and Brett's like, I am the most interesting. I shall stand here. <laughs> I didn't 
was fun. reading signs yesterday. I don't know why. Yesterday we went to Matt's grandparents, and their yeah. last name is Brooks, and it was on their front door. And I thought it said, I looked over quickly, and I thought it said, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a misreading. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain was doing what it wanted. Okay, Not what you wanted. Think of my grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bitches, so good to see you. Where are the hard candies? <laughs> Actually, it turned up to Jesse Pinkman's house and not realized. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I'll, yeah. I'll find Officer Mahoney pretty arresting. The panometer is going into Amber at this point, Chris. I'm just warning yeah. you. I just like, I, I like Mel's thing. Amber, like, Amber Punson. I like that they get that they get to switch like every month. I'm the most interesting officer this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I stand. Do they hold a contest for that? It's kind of like employee of the month, but it's interesting officer of the month. <laughs> Do you think like they come in and wear like funny hats or grow interesting facial hair to win? They really compete at it. Yeah. And and whose idea of interesting is it? Like who decides? Yeah. Whoever the that is. Yeah. Pick me, chief. I've got an interesting <laughs> hobby. Put me in, coach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish that was a thing. <laughs> I also like the, the poster right behind Matt Murdock when he's sitting down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to reveal your identity to solve crime. <laughs> and a lot of people think that that is a reference to Civil War, which will be Captain America 3, which is all about superheroes having to register their identity with the government. And it's like you don't have to. That they think it's a comment on that. I don't know. I just oh, think it's we, like quite a cool sign. We know which side of the Civil War this police uh, station is on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of revealing names. No, I mean an- their anti-registration, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's very interesting. You don't have to reveal your name. <laughs> so what did you guys think of the little scene where uh, Hoffman and Blake are interrogating um, Piotr? Uh, Piotr? Yeah, that's his name. Did you guys kind of think get what was going on, like when, you know, they sort of uncuff him and then turn around to him and are like, oh, whose turn? I I do like that they, like, whose turn is is it? And Hoffman's like, yours. And he's like, no, 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 I did this thing. And Hoffman's like, oh, shit, yeah. Oh. (laughs) It's just like, they must have done this so many times. They just. How many times can you get away with this? If the whole station is corrupt, then probably you know it's probably just to go in the official paperwork. But I imagine everyone at that station knows what's going on. Ah. Yeah. Except Mahoney, man. I, I I can't believe he's a bad guy. Well, you have to wait until episode nine, won't you, Chris? Motherfucker. When he's revealed to be the villain at Black Tarantula. <laughs> um, that's racial. That's racial profiling. That's not cool. Why? That's a character. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, I like <laughs> I like that Matt realises a bit too late that what's about to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. He should have just elbowed everyone out of the way. Now, this this is a version of his abilities I can, I can handle very easily. Yes. That's fine. He can hear a conversation in an adjacent room. That's good. Mm-hmm. But when it's too far away, you don't like it so much. But it's when it's when the, there is no distinction between what he can do and sight. Like it, the thing, it was. I've accepted everything except him picking that cell phone up off the floor last week. <laughs> There's Which, something in episode six that does wind me up that we'll talk about next week. <laughs> that kind of relates to that. That I was a bit like, oh, why'd you do that? But we'll talk about that. Next week. Oh, it, so, it's a, it reminds me of Geordie LaForge in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. How he was like, like he was meant to be this great sort of role model for 
you know, uh, for blind viewers and things like that. But he's got a magic device that makes him <laughs> not only not blind, but like more amazingly sighted than exactly. everyone else. Yeah, he's everybody like, should wear those. <laughs> he's like opposite of a role model for blind viewers. <laughs> and I use viewers, obviously, uh, in a broad sense. Yeah. I've got twice as much sight as you. <laughs> oh, it's also like he's rubbing it in their faces. Yeah. Like, oh. just have to wear a stupid looking visor, but. Didn't he end up getting Banana clip. funky contact lenses or something? Yeah, he gets, like, he, he gets, like, techno eyes. Techno eyes? Because, well, the, <laughs> the, the, the drawback. <laughs> The drawback to the visor, you see, was that it gave him, like, chronic headaches all the time. So that was kind of his, that was his balance for being able to see so well, but the mega eyes just make him amazingly sighted better than anyone, so he becomes sighted. Like, why doesn't everyone, like, not even blind people in the future just have their eyes scooped out and replaced with these? But there you go. Yeah, that would make sense. They can go work for Mrs. Gao. Yeah. yeah. You could just take out your eyes and then pop in some techno eyes once you're done at work. I just want them to play music. Douche, douche, douche. Exactly. Techno, that, techno, was, techno, techno. that was Claire's joke, and I stole it from earlier. It's fine. I, feel like I, techno- want, I want her to get the credit. I feel like techno eyes are really uncomfortable because they just bop along inside your eye socket. <laughs> It'd be like having These are worse. My headache's worse. They would just pulsate in your eye socket. <laughs> it's just like having an acid flashback when the phone goes off. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in the next episode, uh, in the hang on, in the next scene, oh, Har- oh, yes, we'll Ooh. see you yeah. again next week. Yeah, bye. Yeah, we're going. Okay, bye. Excelsior. In the next scene, Karen and Foggy arrive at Landman and Zach's and meet Marcy Stall. <laughs> Why are people named Marcy such bitches? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll tell you what, in this scene and in the previous scene, we've got two women in this series who've met each other. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's happened so far. No. Keep the women apart, it causes less trouble. <laughs> they don't talk to each other. Better. What would happen if we were all recording in this episode in the same place, guys? It would be anarchy! <laughs> Terrifying. Don't you look, Mel? Don't you think that Foggy is a little bit of a badass in this scene? Come on, come on, Mel. Did it not? Did it not like pull yep, your date. icy heart? Yeah, but he used to date her, and that's gross. Because <laughs> she's a bitch. But he stood up to her. Yeah, I don't know. But the the fact he used to date her makes that feel weirdly uncomfortable to me. It's like he suddenly like, takes on a more domineering personality. I oh. I don't know. I was proud of him. She was even intimidating me. Oh, I hated the way she kept calling him Foggy Bear. Oh, yeah. so, oh, I I did a little fist pump. I was like, yeah, Foggy, yeah. Oh, how so, the late the later description of her as a meat grinder in a pencil skirt. I know that's great. <laughs> Pretty spot on. Um, we see in the next scene that Fisk and Wesley are in the car, and he and Fisk now seems to have a convoy because there's like five cars or something. Uh, and he's fiddling with his cufflinks again, and Wesley recommends him a wine. Yeah. So what's happening with the cufflinks, guys? Apart from there, his dad's. That's what uh, I was. That's, what, that's what's happening with the cufflinks. Yeah. His dad's and his dad maybe, either meant a lot to him or was horrible. Maybe to him. his dad resides within the cufflinks. <laughs> like a genie. Yes. yes. <laughs> you should stop rubbing them, or his dad will. <laughs> <laughs> well, if his dad's in one of the cufflinks, then who's in the other? His mom. Mm. <laughs> His parents are inside of the company. <laughs> that would be amazing. Spoilers! No, it was it was his fraternal twin, which he ate in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> Where's mom? But has continued to grow within him. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Explains his enormous girth. His mom's um, I don't eat much, but I can't lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's like I have a whole other person inside me. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Foggy and Karen visit Mrs. Cardenas's building, and Foggy mentions that they fished an electrician out of the drunk tank. See, I told you to put a little mental bookmark there, I think, in a few episodes ago. <laughs> that's kind of like the uh, Daredevil movie. They're starting to just do things for favors. Yeah, pretty much. Just holding everyone to favors, going, hey. But I, I like this scene because it shows that Foggy is also a hero, but he's not out beating people up, but he's... Helping Mrs. Cardenas fix her her plumbing. Aww. That's that's my kind of hero. He's a hero, I, man. I abhor, I abhor violence. So is, is there In all its gonna, forms. Is their office going to get filled up with, like, soccer balls? And... <laughs> like in the film. And cheeses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, by the end of um, episode 13, it's just like a jumble sale in their office. Oh. I have to tell you, Claire, uh, Matt tried to fix the plumbing one time, and I hated him. So... <laughs> Because <laughs> he did it wrong, or what? I no, just complained he, a lot. He just complained a lot. He grumbled a lot, so I was like, get out of the way, I'll do it! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you rolled up your sleeves. <laughs> yes, and then I got to work. Awesome. <laughs> so cool. Um, I like in the next scene where Blake is outside the station that Matt, like, embraces the rumour about chopping Anatoly's head off. He's like, kind of like, yeah, I did that, and I'm going to chop your head off now. But Blake basically laughs in his face that Matt knows nothing about what's going on. Because he doesn't. He, you know, he has no idea what's happening. And, and Blake's basically like, you have no clue. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like the part where he punched him repeatedly in the face. Till he yeah. Him. Yeah. I like that a lot. Did he, like, straight, <laughs> straight kick his face into the wall? Oh, I don't know. have to check. That would be cool. I, I don't know how he manages to not kill a lot of these people he beats. Yes, up. I know, because there's a big splatter on the wall. How does that not kill someone? Mm. I, I don't know. There, there should have been brain bits on that wall. <laughs> all the brain bits. The sponsor was very, very unhappy. I demand all the brain bits. <laughs> and then in the next scene, when they're eating in the restaurant, they should have been eating brain bits. Yes. Uh-huh. Bring me brain bits! <laughs> We're having head cheese. It was a head cheese. Is that what's called? Uh, head cheese. Oh. Well, because so, so, someone mentioned a Mr. Brain earlier. Um, Claire, <laughs> you'll you'll remember this product, what? surely. And this is going to sound hilarious to anyone else in the world. Are you familiar with Mr. Brain's faggots? No. <laughs> uh, you... I can imagine what they are, though. But no, I'm not. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, they're little sort of meatball type things by, for a company called Brains, but they used to work, they, they were founded by a Mr. Brain. And they, they uh, changed the name later, I remember. No, no, they, I think you can still get them Brains faggots. Oh, my word. Between that and Spotted Dick, I don't think I could live <laughs> laughing all the time. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't come and suck on a fag in a small way. <laughs> and, uh, and our ridiculously, like, erotic uh, Cadbury's Flake adverts that I posted a picture of in the Facebook group. Oh, only, only the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate. Yeah, those those adverts are absolute pure filth. <laughs> like, I, I think I was too young to be watching those in the 80s because it was... <laughs> It was just filthy. You guys have a very sexual relationship with your food. 
Have, haven't you heard British food is like the best the world? I think just <laughs> <laughs> <We're for it. laughs> I think it's just that food advertising has a big effect on us. When I was on the uh, when I was on what we make, I did an entire Sun Pat peanut butter advert, which oh, Matt oh, will yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, I love Sun Pat peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> I use it to make my protein bars for the gym. But it was an advert from 1990 that I still remember word for word. <laughs> Oh, wow. Absolutely. I, it's like I remember the Kiora advert that we used to have, the song. And uh, I'm a bit worried Bruce. now. Yeah, but I'm a bit worried now that I remember it because looking back on it, it's like, yeah, that was really kind of a racist advert. So. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> kind of like horrifically racist. But Can I at least go, I'll be your dog. I'll be your dog. <laughs> <laughs> I will Sorry, post that in the Facebook group as well. We're just being English. We'll yeah, get over it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> So, Vanessa has gone on another date with Fisk, and I put, I love her dress. It's really pretty. It looks like a chocolate box. <laughs> it's so yeah, it does. <laughs> she wants to be evil so bad. Like, you can see it in her face. Yeah, she wants to be evil. Be. Mm. She, wants to have, she wants to have relations with evil, at least. Mm. There we go. <laughs> Once she has relations with evil, her life will be complete. <laughs> <laughs> she is down with evil. This is brilliant stuff. She's a, is she a character from the comics? I'm not familiar with her in the slightest. Yes, in the comics, um, she is uh, Wilson, Fix, Fix, Wilson Fisk's wife. She's Vanessa Fisk in the comics. Gotcha. Um, it's just that, A, um, I found it fascinating that we get introduced to uh, Fisk through this through this kind of love affair he wants to mm-hmm. embark on and his loneliness rather than him just being a tough bastard. Yeah. But also... She's incredible. She's an amazing character. I, I love these two so much. And I was chatting with um, with uh, Brad the other day. Brad Couples from my other podcast, Intro to X. And he said that his absolute, because he's just finished watching the entire series, his absolute favourite thing about the series is awkward Fisk on dates. <laughs> it's his favourite thing ever. Because he's just basically like, I, uh, I'm uh, not good with uh, people. And he, he loves it. <laughs> it's so delightful. It's I guess just, it is. It's an interesting choice to introduce the character like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. Mm -hmm. I said last time that I wasn't sure if I liked it, and then I was like, I I guess I can accept it as long as he's a tough guy when he's doing business. But then in that previous scene, he was almost apologetic to all of his partners there. He's like, uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll do this. Let's put it to a vote, maybe. Uh, 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 let's, uh... This this could be our plan. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's not like ruthless enough. He's not like in charge. I like, uh, and again, this is kind of skipping ahead, but I love in this episode in particular when we see, you know, later on Claire calls Matt on the fact that he said mm-hmm. that he enjoys the violence. And when we see, when he sort of beats up Vladimir at the end, he really goes for it. Like, he's pounding the hell out of Vladimir, and he seems to be enjoying it. Whereas you've got Fisk, is obviously doing these monstrous things, like killing all the Russians in these explosions, but he says that he regrets hurting people, um, and he takes no pleasure in it. I love the, the difference in that, mm-hmm. because it's really like, which one of these is the good guy again? I love that. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Only one of them has smashed a dude's head to pieces with a car door. But did you, but his yeah. te- his tears were off screen. You couldn't see his face. He was crying as he was doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the meanwhile, other one did drop a fire extinguisher on someone else's head. Yeah, meanwhile, oh, Matt pummeling a guy's face in and going, "Wee!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt just got lucky that they haven't all died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh dear, so lucky. Um, so 
Vladimir is cleaning Anatoly's body. I think this is really sad. I'm like, oh, It's gross. How many times do you have to see this headless body? <laughs> they probably right. made this prop and wanted to show it off like, as much as they could because it's a pretty awesome prop. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's evacuated his bowels by now, too, like all over his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's cleaning up, though. He's got a cup ah. as well. Uh, no. You could I'd fly. If I, had my <laughs> if I had my head chopped off and my body delivered to you, wouldn't you clean my body? Nah. I'd probably look for your head instead and cherish that instead of the rest of the you'd, body. You'd, you'd, you'd sleep with my rotting head? <laughs> <laughs> Good night, dear. There we go. The lips come off. Can you imagine if you were able to, like, buy props from, like, you know, like, they sell props from a TV show, like, and they have this prop of this headless Anatoly body. I would love to buy something like that, and I'd put it on my dining table at parties, and I'd serve sushi off of it. It'd be awesome. Or just put it at the head of the table as one of the guests. Yay! Oh, you I love it. You could, you could sit in a chair and just swap out the head for different things. Like, Oh, you could put a balloon there and draw like whatever expression on it. So if it's having a sad you, day or a happy day. A Wilson volleyball? Or... Yeah. <laughs> you keep having conversations with it and it answers, but no one else at the table can hear. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. It answers in a Russian voice as well. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I tell Oh my god, put a pumpkin! Yeah. <laughs> yep. Happy Halloween. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna learn to throw your voice too. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone from Netflix is listening, I and you need to get rid of that prop. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> it awesome. You've got so many ideas. I would have so much fun with it. <laughs> right. Um. Uh, what scene were we up to? Oh, so uh, Turk enters. Yay, Turk! I love Turk. And tells him about the SUV, and uh, Vladimir believes that Fisk and uh, the mask uh, are now working together. Hmm. Smoking. Okay, now would you tell other people about the million dollars, or just figure out where Fisk was all by yourself for a million dollars? I guess nobody remembers that anymore. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, rem- I remember the mask. Nobody wants to remember it. <laughs> I sorted the cinema. I think maybe if if Turk found out where he was and collects the million dollars, then they, you know, that's going against Fisk, so they would have had him killed. Hmm. Because Wesley sort of basically says to him, well, you're alive, you know. When he says, spread the word, I'd be like, nah, I'm mm-hmm. spreading the word. I know about it, but nobody else does. Yeah, it's like, nope. <laughs> Give me a million dollars. So, Foggy manages to fix the sink, and then Karen and Foggy go on a date. Oh. But she's just like asking about math the whole this time. This is annoying. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> I don't you feel bad for Foggy though, because it's kind of like, hey Matt, uh, I want you to feel my face, because obviously that's what Matt would feel. And Foggy's like, okay. And it's like, Karen, no. Really? I said Karen is sending a lot of mixed signals to Senior Foggy. That is my name. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Oh, Senior Foggy. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not right. It's really weird. Like it's really weird that she's doing that. And yes, yeah. And yeah. face face touching, Claire. I know. Well, we'll get to that in a bit because I have some thoughts on it. Are you going to discuss <laughs> how that's not really a thing? It's it's well, no, we'll get to it. It's fine. But you know, I've discussed it in depth with uh, uh, Christine from the other Murdoch papers. Ding. Cool. Um, <laughs> but um, I yeah, we discussed this in depth, so I'll, I'll get to it in a minute. Uh. In the next scene, we have kind of another love story going on because Claire admits that she's falling in love with Matt but says that she can't fall in love with a man who's basically so close to turning into something that he hates. Mm. Oh, I felt bad there. But I agree yeah. with her. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, but he just dismissed her so quickly, too. Like, he's like, well, then you shouldn't walk out the door. I was like, dude, she's like, uh, fight for me a little? Yeah. Like, a little bit? Also, it's Rosario Dawson. I mean... Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey. <laughs> yeah. If all else fails, he can at least go and watch... He can go and watch Trance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or not. <laughs> It's not the because place he's blind, but because that film is terrible. <laughs> I like Trance, but it is the place to go if you want to see a lot of Rosario Dawson. You see, every, you see all of Rosario Dawson. There's just about a lot of Rosario Dawson. Yes, nude in about every way you can. It also oh. has the signature terrible Danny Boyle ending to a film. Danny Boyle does not know how to end a film. There's very few of his films that he ends in a good way, but most of them are really bad endings. I'm looking at you, 127 Hours, Slumdog Millionaire, Sunshine, Trance. I'm I'm with you on Sunshine. However, the London 2012 Olympics opening ceremony was awesome. Thank you, Danny Boyle. Because because it had Mike Oldfield. (laughs) Yes, and it had an opening bit where it looked like hobbits were skipping through the countryside, which made me very happy. And it had the noise of the TARDIS, so I was happy. Uh, (laughs) That's all all I need. Um, So... Fisk and Vanessa are still on their date, and she mentions that she was asked out by a prince once. Uh, <laughs> and then Fisk mentions that Wesley is his only friend. I thought it was weird she was talking about guys that she used to date, so is there some significance? No spoilers there? There is about one of them, but we'll get to that when I dish out some tasty, tasty Easter eggs. Okay. okay. I just thought it was, you know, she's, especially if she's talking about the guys that's like delivered a cheesy line, but she slept with him. Not because of his cheesy line, but because, like, he was hot and she wanted to do that, yeah. you know. And also that she's not, like, embarrassed of that fact enough to not bring it up on a date with this guy. I love that, though. I no, mean, that's no, good that is brilliant. That is yeah. absolutely spot on. I, I love that. And I like, I like as well that we get the conversation where he's asking her about the gun. Because it shows that even though he's this very socially awkward guy, he's not an idiot. He's smart. You know, you can never think that he is an idiot. Even if he is kind of awkward and mumbling, he's a very smart guy. But the whole I love that. the whole dinner is about how neither of them are idiots. Exactly. Uh, frankly, I've I've not been keen on how uh, the series has dealt with women so far, which is why I'm finding Vanessa so incredible. Oh, she's uh, and the actress as well. I think brings a lot of depth to that role. I think she could be quite one note, but I think she's fantastic in it. So in the next scene where we see. Um, Vladimir still with his brother's body, and we see Matt on the roof, and that image is the first ever official image that was released from the show. Oh, yay! Foggy and Karen are still at dinner discussing college, Marcy and Matt. Matt hasn't dated anyone for more than two months, um, but he touches ladies' faces, and then there's a quote, which might be one of my quotes later, because it makes me laugh. And I like that Foggy mentions that Matt has, like, touched his face once, but only once because, you know, it's weird. And I like that they're kind of commenting that, yeah, people who are blind don't go around touching people's faces because it is weird, you know. And that's why... Because, like they say, that he only does it to the hot ladies because he does it as, like, a... Yeah, because Foggy asked him to, but it's... Uh Yeah, it's weird. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. Touch my face, Matt. (laughs) <laughs> That's what Karen wants to say. Touch my yeah. face. Foggy, pretend, pretend you're Matt. Oh. <laughs> is, it, is it weird that we've got a Claire and a Matt and a Claire and a Matt, or is that fine? Well, <laughs> if you listen to the uh, podcast, Chris, yeah. oh, yeah. Claring, mm-hmm. you will know that there's also a Robin and a Melanie in the show. Goddamn. Yeah, but you're going to have to listen to every episode to find out who they are. I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
It does get confusing sometimes. It's like Claire said to Matt, and Matt didn't. Mm, anyway, I think um, we should make it clear I'm an emergency guest on this. I know. <laughs> we appreciate you you stepping in this week. Thank you. <laughs> Our listeners are the best. <laughs> oh, it's foggy in here, and it makes me like Karen less, way less. Mm. Oh, oh no, she was your favorite character now. No, no, not anymore. Well, not Who's not your favorite right character now? now? Uh, Vladimir. <laughs> I like yes, the head. No, I like the headless brother. <laughs> Anatoly. <laughs> Anatoly wins the episode. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say much, but he was really deep. <laughs> that name has always sounded like a food to me. <laughs> Anatoly. <laughs> like cannoli. I guess I don't know. Sounds like a type of pasta or something. Yes. He's got so many functions. You could use him to prop things up against. <laughs> I really want... Like, it's funny, because they were... When they moved um, the London Dungeons a few years ago, which is a <laughs> London tourist spot, which you walk around in, and it's, like, scenes like waxworks of how they used to torture people and stuff like that. And they got rid of a load of the models, and so you could bid mm-hmm. on them if you wanted. So one of the things you could bid on was, like, the, the wax models, like, life-size of Jack the Ripper's victims. And I was like, oh, I really want one. I just want to put it in my my house somewhere or in the bathroom. So someone goes in to use the bathroom, they look down, and there's like a disemboweled woman lying on the floor in, you know, an old timey dress. Like, uh. or get a coffee table like that's like a coffin, but it's see through and put the body in. A coffin. I would love table. that. A coffin table. A coffin table. <laughs> I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone come to my creepy house of horrors when I mm-hmm. when I open it. <laughs> I'm sorry you can't see the spare room Anatoly's in there. <laughs> Who's Anatoly? My best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um so in the next scene one of uh, Madame Gao's Chinese workers turns up to Vladimir's place and Matt attacks and then we find out that he uh, that the, the worker was a suicide bomber. Beep. Were you guys surprised at that? Yes. 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 Particularly as one of the explosions seems to be right next near where, like, Foggy and Karen are, because it blows the windows out. I like that. Usually when you see, like, TV series, they don't connect their their various scenes together like that. Like, Mm -hmm. one thing will happen in one scene, it won't won't affect the other scenes. Yeah. But this one did. And I don't think of this as inappropriate face-touching. I'm just going to put that out there, because (laughs) it's... They've mentioned that it's weird, so that they don't usually do it, and it's Karen asking, wanting to be... It's like Karen saying, like, draw me like one of your French girls. You know, it's like, feel my face feel my face like one of Matt's sexy time girls. You know what I mean? That's just sad. Yeah, so it weird. is quite sad. It's like, mm, she so wants Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Vanessa watches the four explosions, and Fisk, very cheekily, I think, says... Oh yeah, I'm uh, you know I'm stopping the men that that kidnapped that boy. You know, and even ago. Vanessa is born. Quite frankly, you saw <laughs> it happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm down with that then. Murder <laughs> them all. I don't care. I'll sit yeah. here with you and drink wine. Vanessa's like, okay. Sure. But he didn't go. Oh, by the way, I told those men that I just murdered to go and kidnap that boy. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that a little bit out of the story. Yeah. And it really took, the men that kidnapped them were two guys, and he blew up four buildings. Yeah, exactly. It's just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she seems very down with it. Mm-hmm. She has a bloodlust. She does. <laughs> she's, a, she's a vampire. <laughs> um, so, Matt wakes up in the rubble. He's got a kind of dead, I guess, Russian on top of him. Um, Sergei and Vladimir are nearby. 
uh, kind of, and we can see that Vladimir's hurt. Uh, we find out that Turk was paid off by Wesley. Uh, and then we get the scene I mentioned earlier where Matt knocks out Vladimir and is really punching the hell out of him. And then the police arrive and tell him to put his hands in the air and they're going to arrest him. Bastard! <gasps> What's going to happen? I don't know. Well, you have to wait and see. Spoilers! <laughs> so, would you guys like some tasty, tasty Easter eggs that I've just made in my chocolate factory in Defence mm-hmm. Tower? Yes. Yes? Okay. So, obviously, at one point in the episode, Claire mentions hearing about billionaire playboys, which is obviously a reference to Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. And Batman. And Batman. And Batman. Batman doesn't exist in this universe. (laughs) Maybe he does. I don't know. He does. I feel like he does. Uh, Karen seemingly being able to speak Spanish fluently could be a hint at the opening pages of Daredevil number 227, which was the Born Again storyline. That's all I'm going to say, but any Daredevil fans that are listening are going, oh, yeah! She, she reincarnated. She did. <laughs> um, uh, when Matt enters uh, Nelson and Murdoch's, you can see um, no, yeah. through the door, you can see that the office opposite theirs is Atlas Investigations, and there's a little logo on the door. And Atlas, um, Atlas was the name of Marvel kind of before it was Marvel. And the logo was similar to what they have on the door. So that's quite kind of a cute Easter egg. Oh. And then um, you guys were asking about if there, when Vanessa was saying about her ex-lovers, if any of that was relevant. She does say that there was a guy um, that sort of courted her who wore a white suit and an ascot who tried that's, to seduce her. And funny. And Fisk kind of went, an ascot, that's a bit over the top. But that's what Fisk wears in the comics. He wears a white <laughs> suit and an ascot traditionally. So I like, like that. Like alter ego courted her. His <laughs> oh, fraternal twin survived after oh, all. Yeah. Oh, no. He crawls out of his mouth in the night. <laughs> what, is his, what is his twin called? Does his twin have a name? Nicholas Fisk, and he also wrote the children's book Trillions back in the day. <laughs> He's multi-talented. He's the only other Fisk I know of. Oh no, it's a Jack Fisk as well. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> is he going to be like his his twin, like the one in X Files that was like attached to yeah Leonard, Luke, and then yeah Leonard, and he like runs around at night and kills people. That is exactly it. That's exactly the plot. <laughs> You've worked it out. Season two. Um, so it's time for quotes, guys. Oh, I have a quick question first. Okay. The the restaurant host. Mm-hmm. What was the deal there? Marcel, I think he was doing the phone call. To basically say, yes, um, line everything up now, and now do the explosions. Okay. He was well, kind of arranging it so, so Vanessa could see it. I want to impress my lady with some explosions. Yeah. Okay. I wish we had just heard him on the phone go, yes, yes, that's right, that's right, make boom boom. Because <laughs> <laughs> to me it almost seemed like he was being disloyal to Fisk. I must have missed something in there. He did look yeah. like it at first when he's sort of talking in the background, but because mm-hmm. this gives him the money and says thank you for everything yeah, tonight, exactly. I think maybe it's not only that he obviously cleared the restaurant just for Fisk and Vanessa, um, you know, they had the restaurants themselves, but also I thought he had something to do with, you know, confirming the explosions, because where he says it takes a long time to set something like this up. And, you know, Wilson, that is not the way you're supposed to make the earth move. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, it did a fake out where he, you thought he was maybe going to grab Vanessa's gun out of his coat and shoot the guy. Yeah. Well, it would seem weird, like, even when they left the end, he gave him the envelope, and it seemed like he kind of maybe knew that he'd been disloyal to him, but he gave him the envelope, and then the guy's standing there behind him, and I was just waiting for the guy's head to, like, explode or something. <laughs> I don't know why. 
Or he opens the envelope and it just says, I know what you did last night. No, it's, well, it's full of sparkles. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, I'll never get Oh, you. he glitter bombed me. <laughs> oh, damn. Crafting. <laughs> right, Michaela, do you have any quotes? I have two quotes. Okay. I will say one of them. Uh, it is Leland, whom I love. He's so awesome. <laughs> I'm going to go against the three of you. I like my head. Where is that? <laughs> I love Leland. Do you like Leland, Mel? Because he's quite quippy as well. I don't even know who Leland is. Leland is the old guy in sort of Fisk's crew. Yeah, so you've got Madame Gao, you've got Nobu, who's the Japanese businessman, and then you've got Leland, who's the sort of elderly gentleman. We don't know much about him besides no. that he's like a business partner. I don't, I don't honestly really, I don't know. He didn't impress <laughs> Okay. You only have room for one Leland in your heart. You only have room for Leland Palmer in your heart. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, as soon as this this Leland dances, then yeah, or sings. He, yeah, if he dances and he starts crying, <laughs> then I'm all. Then we'll, he'll become endearing. I'm all. <laughs> Chris, do you have any quotes? Oh, I had one, but it was clear that you're going to say it later, so I won't. Oh, no, how yeah, about, um, no, I have a few. Yeah, you can't. How about this feels like the place in a movie where you buy a clone or maybe a robot baby <laughs> or the clone of a robot baby. <laughs> That's, the idea of a robot baby is terrifying to me. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's pretty creepy. Ma, 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 oh, ma. Oh. <laughs> That's as terrifying as Jeff Goldblum. About <laughs> hmm. uh, a robot baby with the face of Jeff Goldblum. No, why would you say that? <laughs> oh. In clown makeup with eight legs. No. <laughs> robot, uh, robot baby clone Goldblum baby. <laughs> baby baby clone Goldblum, love you. <laughs> I don't. I do not like that. I'm going to have bad dreams tonight. I'm sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. That's fine. I'm <laughs> trying. Matt, do you have any quotes? All I've got is. Mwah. I always wonder if we're ever going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't sound like that. Mwah. It did. It was very, very, very suctiony. <laughs> one which is a foggy foggy quote about Matt which is he's like a sexual rain man that I love the one. <laughs> yeah that's the one Michaela yeah. what's your other quote <laughs> over there yeah definitely. also Leland Matt's vigilantes crazy Russians I'm getting my stun gun out of storage I love that I want him to have a stun gun in the next episode <laughs> <laughs> any other quotes guys I have one more no. uh, the other one I have is again a foggy one which is I can't go to Lamon and Zach alone. They're going to shark attack me, Matt. Look at me. I'm delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Mel obviously agrees. She thinks Foggy is absolutely delicious. Foggy. Oh, he's good for his sushi. <laughs> <laughs> Did I send in feedback for this? <laughs> oh, I don't know, actually. I'm going to have a look. We have a voicemail 
from a voice the mail. <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> from from Wukem, who emailed in last week. I haven't listened to this. I'm hoping there's no spoilers. I'm gonna try and play it. La 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 la. Yeah, la, you guys la, don't listen. La, just la, la. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the tone of this episode just because it encapsulates the difference between the we need to save the world version of the Avengers and the street level crime corruption side of the Avengers and I love that we see the differences between the two groups of heroes and I also love that the simplicity of this storyline that Someone doesn't want to leave their home that they've lived in for a long time, and some evil land owners want them out. Someone looks for Matt Murdock's help and ultimately gets Daredevil's help. I like that. <laughs> I love the relationship so far between Foggy and Matt, especially when Foggy looks at Matt and gives him that like, like envious look after he compl- after Matt compliments Karen on her translating skills felt very, very old school and felt very much like Rhodey and Tony Stark. Stanley has said in the past he doesn't like superhero sidekicks, but he seems to like superheroes in his Marvel Universe to have best friends. I like that. And I have to be serious here for just a second. Robin, listen to me, Robin. Keep the puns going, man. I like the puns. No! Keep the puns coming. Don't listen to what anybody else says. Listen to what the audience says. You like the puns, or at least I do. And I would really like to see what would happen if Melanie turned back into an embryo. It would be some Benjamin Button shit happening on the podcast. One last thing. Claire, Claire, Claire. This is serious time. Please do not spoil anything in the last few episodes of the season. I've seen the season all the way through, as have you, and you and I both know that one of the last scenes of the season is Maria Hill stopping by Murdoch and Nelson and asking for Matt Murdoch and joining a new initiative that Jesus took up called the Defenders Initiative. We know this happens in one of the last scenes in the final episodes of the season. By the way, this is Bruce Sarcastic Voice. I love this episode. <laughs> Okay, talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Sorry, I haven't seen the end yet. <laughs> Dude, that was his that was his sarcastic voice. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> he said we were doing serious time, not sarcastic time. I was doing sarcastic serious time. Oh, I hate foilers. <laughs> Opinion spoilers. He's messing with your mind, guys, like like Mysterio would. <laughs> My heart just beat too fast. I didn't like it. It was like exercising, and I was not a fan. Now, what's this this embryo in the chair beside me? Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't like that noise. That's terrifying. She's reverted. (laughs) To a duck? (laughs) We have an email from Spike. Would someone like to read it? Would the duck like to read it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little duck. So you you revert from um, you go to an embryo and then you turn into a duck. Okay, <laughs> that's so scary. Right, we... Oh, I found the I found the messages. Yeah, <laughs> I clicked the thing. Just in time, you can read Robin's, which is next. Oh, okay. After after Heidi's, Heidi's. Okay, next. so me, I'm reading Heidi. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to, yeah. 
<laughs> hey guys, I love the scene with the Chinese singing. It's so haunting, and then moves into a good fight scene. I agree, Heidi. Yeah, Mrs. Cardenas is such a sweet woman, and the woman Foggy used to date is just the opposite. <laughs> also, good. Uh, Claire and Matt have that whole superhero in love dilemma going on. Yeah, we do, Matt. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you got Matt. You gotta stop cheating on me. I'm sorry. (laughs) First with Matt Murdock, now with Claire. (laughs) God. No wonder you want to turn into a duck embryo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You do have Kaylin's situation. Oh, okay. Claire and Matt have that whole superhero in love dilemma going on, although usually it is about keeping the girl safe. This time, it is about her not agreeing with what he's doing. It's nice to see a change in the formula. Mm-hmm. It seems strange that Fisk is so hard to find. He's going to art galleries and to dinner. I guess Matt doesn't actually know who he is, though. Um, who he, who he is yet. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and boom! And then boom, boom, boom! Honestly, this episode was a bit slower than the one before, but definitely ends leaving you wanting more. How will Matt get out of this one? Until next time, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. Boom, boom, boom! Terrifying. Between Woo Kim and his fake spoilers and the boom, 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 I don't know. Boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room. Oh, you guys, that that's boom, boom, boom is like duck hunt. Someone just shot the duck. Oh no! Oh. The saddest quack ever. I apologise for the spectre of the Venga boys that have brought to this. Yes. I was just thinking of Will Smith and Boom Uh, Shake the Room. Mm. (laughs) I got right on board there, Chris. Yeah. We landed on that Venga grenade together. (laughs) I remember the start of the song, I think, which is, Yo, back up now and give a brother room. Something or other. Uh, something's awake and I'm about to go boom. Mercy, mercy, mercy mercy me. me. I'll have the cave, but on stage I'm free. Yeah. (laughs) I apologise. Uh, Chris, would you like to read feedback from our missing defender, Robin? Yes, I'll go and find it. Bloody it's, hell. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of an essay. He's written like a Daniel length of stuff. From he really does. <laughs> Holy. All right, um, I'm going to have a quick swig of Pepsi Max first. Then before I... <laughs> okay, okay, he says... Oh. Oh, that's okay. You okay. may need a swig of a Pepsi Max, a bathroom break, and a 15-minute in between. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I'm just going to gonna blitz it. It says, thanks for letting me take the week off to honour the ladies in my life. Next week, I'll be back to undoubtedly praise this show some more, because it just keeps getting better. I think a lot of that is due to Vincent D'Onofrio's Will... Oh, I can't say his name. Of that guy, he plays, you know, not Voldemort, but the guy who's super intimidating, yet darkly charismatic, due to him being a bigger part of the storyline. He's running the Gal Nobu Owsley gang so well, they should watch their backs after witnessing how easily he cuts the Russians out, especially Owsley. If he doesn't get his money, we riot, and man... That Madame Gow and her blind delivery service are super creepy. And when the guy whose name rhymes with Milton Risk takes Vanessa out again, I wasn't expecting that conversation to be as interesting as it was. The comment about the white man, about the man in the white suit and ascot, and also how he literally disarms her with his charms, were just so cool. And the big butter booms. (laughs) Fifth element, Robin, really. With little reaction from her, Vanessa is all in. Apparently that waiter isn't at all bothered by the four or five firestorms that are a block or so away either. No big deal, but yeah, it looks like the Russians' meter ran out. Dov svidanya, Vela Taxi. On the map. Oh, 
I wasn't expecting to speak, be speaking any Russian during this. Hot <laughs> <laughs> a show. Uh, on the Matt side of things, how hilarious is it that Matt got a girlfriend and lost her all in one episode? Classic Matt Murdock. Yep. Luckily, nothing horrific happened to her, yet I was so impressed with the discussion of Matt's radar sense and the quick glimpse into the lens that Matt sees through. World on fire. Yep, we would have never guessed that. I hope Matt and Mel got something out of that discussion. I sure appreciate it explained to me again, as sometimes his powers are hard to literalise. But I did chuckle seeing Matt in the kitchen, focusing his radar to see Claire in the shower. At least I imagined he was. Uh-huh. He probably was. Come on, this is Matt Murdoch. <laughs> also, I hope the foggy deniers will see the light after this episode, where nope. you see how great of a character nope. he is. And he could have sold his soul to Landman and Zack like that not-so-nice lady did. But he owned her in their own lobby, helped out a little Lord Amy in trouble, and swept out Miss Page off her feet. Then damn Voldemort and his big bada-booms ruined everything. I'm... Uh, <laughs> dog agrees. <laughs> you're here. Humans and dog. I'm, I'm just reading what's on the page. <laughs> not my fault. Robin continues, however, you could tell in that last scene that even though Karen is attracted to upstanding Foggy, she's still intrigued by Matt. Don't fight it, guys. You see that light at the end of the tunnel? That's a love triangle sea train. Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) There is so much more good to talk about in this episode, but screw it. I'll just rate it a well-deserved 10 out of 10 broken Eastern promises. Also, this week, Daredevil appears 16 minutes in. Mel said 0 minutes. Vicky said 27, and Matt said 40. I said 10, so that means I win. I <laughs> predict for next week's episode, we'll see Daredevil immediately 0 minutes in. Of course, that's a safe bet, since World of Fire ended with a cliffhanger where Daredevil is surrounded by police. What However, about flashback? Could be a flashback. What if the show starts with a different scene, and we see a continuation of the cliffhanger after one or two minutes in? Just saying. And the next episode is called Condemned, because Daredevil has to hide out in a condemned building, maybe even the one that fucking Karen are in. Also, John Patrick Hayden is super cool, that is all. Yes, he is. I, oh. I want to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> Run for the hills, Robin. Run for the hills. Uh, Thanks, Robin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we also got this week, we got two more haikus from our haiku contributor, ex-guest, uh, another Matt, Matt the Third. Uh, would someone like to, Michaela, would you like to read a haiku for us? I can, I can do that, sure. I've just put it in Skype for you, I actually have two, so I'll get the other one now. <laughs> you can read it in whatever, whatever style you, you think. Okay. Do not say his name. Bald monolith purge all clean. <laughs> Brave the world on fire. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was right. Oh, good. <laughs> I got all the words. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt is just... <laughs> that looks <laughs> <is> amazing, <laughs> There's a YouTube video which is is a remix called Voldemort's Awkward Laugh Remix, and it's so funny. And it's just Voldemort going... <laughs> That's amazing. I'll try and send it to you. It makes me laugh so much. <laughs> Matt, would you like to read a haiku? We have one more haiku. All right. Okay, here you go. That, but Matt hates poetry. I do. <laughs> you can read it however you like. You can read it like a grieving Russian mobster, if you like. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> in your foggy bear, meat grinders wear pencil skirts, conquer the slumlords. <laughs> Thanks again, Matt. And I um, I still say I want a book that's just haikus written about Daredevil. <laughs> it would be delightful. Daredevil haikus. Yay! <laughs> so next, we are going to score this episode. Um, so our guests can go first. So, Chris, you are our guest this week. Oh, what this would you is score it? 
it's a tough one because I've I've kind of had trouble with the series so far. It hasn't it hasn't set the my world on fire. At the oh. sort of, oh, you know, the, I I get too much Batman off it. Everyone mm-hmm. said like at this point after the series, everyone's going, oh, he's like Marvel's Batman. But it's like that was the watchword for making the series. It's like he's good, he's like Marvel's Batman, so let's just do it like Batman Begins and have a lot mm-hmm. of you know dark fights in alleys with a voice like this. <laughs> but um, but uh, it's beginning to at least get somewhere. I don't know because I'm kind of attacking it for having TV narrative, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking oh, it's a bit slow. But I like that it's slow. Um, however, I'm just gonna. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 on this occasion. Do you do 6 out of 10 things, or just yes. 6 out of 10? You, you can choose a thing if you like. 6 out of 10 brain bits. <laughs> brain bits. However, I get the impression that from this point onwards that I'm going to start enjoying it more, because it ends very strongly. Okay. And that is... So I don't want to feel like I'm down on the whole thing. I could tell that it's going to be a worthwhile enterprise, okay. particularly from this point onwards. We shall see. Uh, Michaela, you are our Robin for the week. What would you like to score this episode? Um, I just want to say I am also having a little bit of trouble with the Matt Mumble. Okay. Um, yeah, I found that towards the middle of this episode. I was like, oh, Whoa. you're Robin. You're Robin. Oh. I have to say it's perfect. Ten out of ten. Oh, <laughs> ten out of ten. Um, but I'm nowhere near as punny as Robin. So um, I'm going to give it eight out of ten. The dark side has cookies for Vanessa. <laughs> was that an eight? <laughs> an eight out of ten. Okay, cool. Um, Matt, what would you like to score this this baby? I also am giving it an eight. It wasn't perfect. It was good. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where Robin's getting all these ten out of tens. He's, yeah, he's letting sure. he's letting his hype lead him. I feel like I feel like he's just he's just nerdgasming over everything. It's <laughs> bonkers, Robin. It's driving me bonkers. Well, I have to say, yesterday when we we um, spoke to John Patrick Hayden, I told him that my favorite episode. Um, so far had been episode two and he said you're just saying that Claire you're just saying it. and I was like no seriously that's the only one I've given a 10 so far because you can't give everything a 10 because then I if mean, something blows your mind how are you going to score it how is this a 10 I mean, something crazier is going to happen than what's going to happen in this episode <laughs> alright I'm sorry Robin you're also in defense of myself I don't consider 6 out of 10 a bad score whatsoever no it's I, not I think of things completely differently it's a pass it's a pass um yeah, so eight out of ten explodey windows. I just I don't like how Wilson Fisk is not he's not being intimidating. He's just like he's he's, cow, he's cowering to his date. He's cowering to his business partners. Kind Aww, of. Oh, it's adorable. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mel, what would you like to score? I am going to give it a seven out of ten dead embryonic ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Poor. Oh, you took my rating. Aww. A lot of the chances. <laughs> Why does that happen now? <laughs> um, and I like this episode. I like the stuff with Vladimir. I actually kind of feel quite sympathetic towards him because um, he gets screwed over by by Fisk um, and and messed with. And I actually feel quite I don't know invested in him and Anatoly's relationship. Weirdly, um, I love that we had Turk back briefly. I like the scene between Fisk and Vanessa. I like that in this this episode as well, it's kind of Fisk is the good guy almost, and Matt is the bad guy. I like that they leave that, that grayness in it. 
uh, makes it more interesting than in, say, one of the, the Marvel films. It's very much like, me, bad guy, you, good guy. Um, so I'm going to rate it 8 out of 10. Impressionistic paintings made of balance, direction, air density, vibrations, temperature, variation, smells, <laughs> and hearing. <laughs> I, I completely memorised that. I didn't read it at all. Uh, so I would tell you what you the average seen, is, but I'm not going to. You have seen the episode 20 times, so... I have seen it 20,000 times. <laughs> um, all I do. I forgot to mention one thing I really enjoyed about this episode is how drunk Vanessa was getting. <laughs> she just, every time she, she said a phrase and then she would take a drink. Yeah, that's what I said to my husband. I said, put the wine glass down for 30 seconds, woman. She's great. I know. <laughs> It'd be great if you did, like, a drink-along um, watching Daredevil, because, like, in the second episode, you could get really drunk with, like, Foggy and Karen when they're drinking all the Patron or whatever they were drinking, and then in this episode, you could just be swigging, like, wine all the way through it. Well, remember, <laughs> Vanessa's first question is, what are we drinking? She's a woman who knows why she's there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, know who Wesley drinks with. Like, he, he knows a lot about wine. He must be oh. at these wine bars all I think time. he drinks alone. I think he drinks alone, but I think that he follows Karl McLaughlin on Twitter, and Karl McLaughlin like recommends wines because he knows his wife. <laughs> he drinks alone, and he but he has a picture of Wilson Fisk, and he just <laughs> holds it Aww. and he cries. <laughs> Maybe he has Anatoly's body with drawing. He's got his head. He's got a rope. Head. He's holding and Anatoly's a... head, and then he's got <laughs> Wilson Fisk in the other hand. One for me, you. One for me, one for you. <laughs> and, a ro- and a robot clone baby. Oh, yeah. no. No. We've just oh, got some space on it. No, I, I decided not to go there now because of how upset you were before. You see, I care. I, I'm, I, anything, any mention of Jeff Goldblum upsets me deeply. You why, you me- why keep mentioning him then? Because I am a massacre. You, you mentioned him more than anyone else. It's true. There were, a few years ago when, I think I've mentioned this before, but a few years ago um, uh, in London there was a play and it was... Um, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Kevin Spacey on stage together. My friend wanted me to go, and I was like, I, I couldn't do it because I'm terrified of both of them. I couldn't handle being in the same room with those two actors. No, 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 no. Anyway, now it's time to pimp pimp our guests. Chris, where can yeah. people... Uh, thank you for coming on, by the way, um, oh, particularly as an emergency guest. Very last minute. Yeah. Thank you for swapping. Yeah, we broke the glass that says break in case of guest <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and you let out of the case and were like, I'm here. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I watched three episodes of Daredevil on short notice and then try and remember what I'm talking about. Yeah, you did a mini marathon just for this I episode. I did. <laughs> a minathon. No, it doesn't oh. work. Um, <laughs> there's like three things I can pimp, but um, because I've there's been one thing in particular that I've been very bad at uploading, I want to over I want to restate my um commitment to it and we mentioned it earlier uh, it was the last word with Chris and Olerio, uh of which I'm the Chris um, of those two where we discuss uh, Stephen Moffat's press gang from the late 80s I've seen it before, he's not seen it at all and we do that, that is at lastwordpodcast.com and that is some wacky 80s goodness it really is, it's good fun Yeah, awesome, um, Michaela thank you for coming on and being our Robin for the week thank you for having me yeah, we're so glad you came out. And it's so nice to actually record with you, finally. Yeah, I know. To hear your voice, <laughs> and I get to answer. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, Yay. Where, whereabouts can people find you if they want to, you know, stalk you and stuff? 
You can stalk me on the Twitter at August95. I'm there sometimes, but mostly on Instagram, so August95. And I have this show that I do with these dudes. Um, <laughs> it's called The Chatterbox, and we have fun there. About once a month, we get together and we talk about, well, pretty much every little rabbit hole my brain goes down, and then TV and movies and technology and such. So it's great. We have fun. With Wicked. And Rob. And Matt and Mel, do you have anything you want to pimp this week? Go ahead, Mel. What, what am I pimping? Well, we're on Hooplecast. Wait, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yes, we are on Hooplecast, uh, a podcast about the show Deadwood, and that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's great. Yes. Yes. Uh, and that is on a podcast uh, called What We Make, a Terminator podcast. Mm-hmm. Correct, Matt? Yes. Is that all our podcasts? Twin Peaks podcast is oh, also yes. still out there. Yes. Okay, we're good. And Matt, are you excited about the new Terminator film, even though they seem to have revealed massive, massive spoilers in the trailer? <laughs> all I'm excited for is to see them reshoot all the T1 scenes, like all yeah. the all the 1982 or whatever it is uh, scenes. I want to see him like, I want to see him do the whole thing over again, like you know, take the bum's pants. <laughs> uh, in the in the latest trailer, I saw a glimpse of the three punks. So oh, nice! It. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Are they going to have Bill Paxton as one of the? I films? doubt it's Bill Paxton still. <laughs> is it like a shot for shot remake? I hope. I hope some of it is. I hope there's like a ten minute se- minute section where there's shot for shot remake. That'd be great. I'm, I'm excited because putting too much information into Terminator trailers has been a has been pretty much a standard yeah. since certainly since Terminator Two, but probably the first one as well. Ooh, I really hope that they do the scene where they, uh, where the Terminator pulls that guy with the overalls out of the telephone booth. I <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> there will be a lot of shot-for-shot comparison YouTube videos popping up. Um, and you can uh, listen to me on Intro to X and X-Files podcast. We are watching X-Files for the first time. Unbelievable, I know. And we are up to season six, and our hearts are all broken at the moment because they killed off one of the greatest characters to grace television, uh, Agent Jeffrey Spender. Um, hey, you didn't see Oh, that's true. I, I want to believe he's alive. He's like one of my... He's, he's awesome. Like, he should be the hero and not Mulder. <laughs> you've, got, um, you've got Aguamala next, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> we just I, did this morning. Yeah. <laughs> did you enjoy? Well, best not. <laughs> if you want to know what I thought of, of that episode, you can listen to this week's Intro to X. Yes. Yes, at introtalks.com. Um, so you can contact our podcast by emailing us at defenderspod at gmail.com. Um, we love your feedback. Feel free to send us sonnets. I still want someone to do a granny rap about an episode. That would be great. Uh, I'm moving with my feedback more and more into doing sound effects. Oh, oh please do it. In the show. Great. So uh, I'll keep doing that. So you'll be like, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Ow, my eye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't normally do this, but I'll also point out that two of the podcasts that we've mentioned in this roundup at the end have got theme tunes done by me. I know. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. You should have an album of all your theme tunes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a SoundCloud of all the uh, Intro to X theme tunes. We get the best <laughs> Intro to X theme tunes because every time there is a different um, title screen or like a... What would uh, you call that, Chris? Ta- uh, tagline is the uh, name that is normally associated with it. Yeah, is, is if we have like a different one, then Chris does us a new a new theme for that week's episode. And we've had some amazing ones. Um, we've even had an Oompa-Pa one, which is what I requested because I love a little bit of Oompa-Pa music. I don't know what it's called, so I'm just going to call it Oompa-Pa music. <laughs> 
Chris's best work, Chris's best work, in my opinion, has been the X Files movie and the Hooplecast theme. Yeah, (laughs) those are both both done in the same couple of days. (laughs) Nice, awesome. I was in the zone. Um, and also, you could check us out at Defenders Pod on Twitter. When I say check us out, I mean me, because it's basically just me. Uh, so feel free to send me a tweet. And remember to go to mrbrains.co.uk, home of Britain's best loved faggots. Oh, <laughs> there will be pictures up in this week's photo album of those. I will put pictures up. If I say, if I try to give it a plug, is that too punny? So next week, guys, we are reviewing episode six. We're almost halfway through. Sniff, sniff. And next week's episode is called Condemned. What do you guys think happened? I thought it was called Almost Halfway Through Sniff, Sniff. (laughs) Yes, next week is called Almost Halfway Through Sniff, Sniff. What do you think is going to (laughs) happen? So it's called Condemned? Yes, Condemned. Well, obviously, Daredevil gets booked by the police. Series over. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. When I say we're halfway through, the the other um, seven episodes are all based on Foggy, so Mel will be happy. Oh, no. I quit. (laughs) The Foggy and Karen show. Yeah, Foggy Foggy takes up the mantle of Dare Foggy and uh, fights Wilson Fisk. (laughs) Foggy. I don't know, maybe he gets taken into into custody, but he doesn't have any ID on him, so they don't know he's Matt Murdock, and then he escapes before they ever find out. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Mm, interesting. Um, well, we will be discussing that and more next week. So thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. We really appreciate it. Feel free to go and leave us a review on iTunes if you want. That would be awesome. And now it's time for us to go. But first, we need an Excelsior. Oh, also, I forgot. I didn't actually give you guys your alliterative uh, Stan Lee names this week. So Courageous Chris and Mesmerizing Michaela, would you like to take us out this week with an Excelsior? Excelsior! (laughs) <laughs> Executive order. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea if we were meant to synchronize there or just say it. You can you can freestyle it. We we have no rules. Okay, ready. One, two, three. Excelsior! Wow! <laughs> Who's got a voice like a guitar? <laughs> yeah, that was me. I'm sorry. I've got a bit of a sore throat. Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. Bye, you had throat, everyone. You had throat node surgery like that girl in Pitch Perfect, and it made your voice sound like a guitar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have most, multiple vocal cords, all in you know different chords. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it, you can send it to your friends, you just can't make any money off of it. You can't change it, and you have to link back to us and our site. Excelsior!